He Shoots, He Draws is sponsored by the Westcott Rapid Box Switch in association with JP Distribution. Isn't it time you made the switch? Do it today at www.fjwestcott.com backslash switch. Hi, I'm Jason Levine, and you're listening to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast. Welcome to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast, the show about photography and design, with your hosts, Glyn Dewis and Dave Clayton. Hello and welcome back to He Shoots, He Draws. My God, these weeks go so quick, don't they, Glyn? They certainly but do, mate. They it's certainly do. It's always a pleasure to be back and it's always great when we just finish interviewing a guest that we've both gone I really want to interview him. And Glyn goes, I really want to interview him. Do you think he'll say yes? And then when you get an email back within like five minutes of, yes, I'd love to, we were like giddy as school kids. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. The The guest, is, as you will have heard at the very start of this uh, episode, is Jason Levine. Jason is somebody that we've known for a number of years now. Uh, and he's a principal worldwide evangelist for Adobe, specialised in Adobe Audition and Adobe Premiere. And I'll be honest with you, I think, because obviously before we started recording, Dave, and we got Jason into the conversation, we were talking about, I found out this about him, I found out that about yeah. him. Clearly he is at the very top of his game to be at that particular, uh, or to have that particular position within Adobe. Yeah, But it's yeah. the guy's previous life leading up to where he is now, which was like, what? I mean, he'll mention it, obviously, but yeah. he, he worked with Hans Zimmer, the composer Hans Zimmer. I mean... And Herbie Hancock. Just just incredible. But what a, an amazing guy. I was, there was lots that we both wanted to talk about, obviously, but yeah. I know for myself, I was absolutely fascinated by Jason's uh, presentation style because yeah. it, it really isn't, as uh, so many of us will know from, you know, days gone by of death by PowerPoint. That mm. couldn't be. That couldn't describe Jason in a more wrong way. Do you know what I mean? He is incredible <laughs> on stage. So I wanted to ask him about that. Did he have a drama background? But yeah, we asked him so much. But it was just brilliant. Yeah, and he's such a warm guy. And you know, every time we meet him, he's always really friendly. And what I love about him, like a lot of the guests we've had, is they didn't just come to the party off the bus. You know, they like we said, he's put in a lot of work to get where he is today and he's now been the principal worldwide evangelist for 17 years and and he was explaining the story up to that so the fact that he's put in all this work he continues to work really hard as all the evangelists do um we really appreciate that he found the time to do it because i know he's rehearsing for adobe max um but yeah what what an awesome guy we you know we just sat there with a big grin on our face jason is as animated and, and, and just a lovely human being yeah yeah i just know that Folks who know Jason are going to love this, and folks who don't know Jason until this point are going to love this. But uh, yeah. I guess we better just get on with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's just start as we ordinarily do then. So we'll go, Jason, who are you? Well, uh, my name is Jason Levine, and I'm the principal worldwide evangelist for Adobe Creative Cloud, focusing on our audio and video products. Uh, spreading the word about Premiere Pro, After Effects, Audition, Character Animator around the world, but also uh, educating and uh, inspiring people to uh, lose their fear when it comes to using these uh, these digital applications and kind of diving in. Even if you're new, even if this is uh, something that you've never done before, but you want to get into video, you want to get into audio, even photo processing, which I've learned a lot from the two of you. Uh, check out Lightroom and Photoshop in that case. Um, that's kind of my role. And on when I'm not doing that, uh, I'm a musician and I uh, make children's songs, among many other things, <laughs> um, you know, about very common daily things, uh, brushing your teeth, flatulence. Um, we're big you know. fan. We're big fans of put your pants on. Oh, I was going to say, and putting your pants on. Yes, thank you. That's uh, that's my personal favorite of my own songs. Actually. Wow, so thank you very much. Wow, there there is there is clearly more to you than I knew because, um, well, obviously we we kind of know each other. We've met yeah. uh, in London, I think, a couple of times. We've seen you in America at Adobe Max and yeah. so on and so on yeah. and so on. So very very excited to have you on here. Genuinely, oh, well, thank you. Because uh, we know we both know that you're extremely busy at the moment. So that we're currently kind of leading up to Adobe Max. So I know you're flying backwards and forwards, rehearsals yes, and all indeed. that kind of stuff. Yeah, but yes. needless to say, Dave and me have done a bit of research, as you can see mm. here, and this is where I was like, "My 
God, there's more to this man than I knew. <laughs> but I want to I want to kind of read some stuff out of here, which I All thought right. was fascinating. Oh boy. Okay. Here. Now, <laughs> I'm hoping you know this. Yeah, right. It says right. So this is a this is off a website I found called Quartz. Yes. Okay. Oh yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, and it says here it's talking about the uh, the invention of or, or progress of software and the speed updates and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It says, but with the faster development cycles and the advent of cloud-based software delivery, new features enter the work scene, work stream instantaneously. Every time you fire up a program these days, it seems there's a new trick and shortcut to discover. Designers more than ever need a savior from the unceasing upgrades. <laughs> Enter Adobe Jesus. Oh my. Mm-hmm. Now, mm. <laughs> I believe that is one of the names that you've been given. Is that right? Yes, and it was not it didn't come from me, just to be very clear about that. Uh uh yeah, so that was actually um from an Adobe Max presentation where that uh, that hashtag sort of became a thing and uh That was last year, wasn't it? Uh, well, actually, believe it or not, this is about three years ago. So, oh, wow. Um, yeah, it was in 2015. And uh, I mean, the two of you have kind of seen me do my thing before. And I suppose perhaps based on many artist renderings that uh, I, I, I share a familiar look with... Uh, a particular I'm j- listen I'm saying nothing I'm just jealous yeah, right, no. That's all it is with me. <laughs> no 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 so um so in any case I was doing Adobe Max on stage and you know very passionately talking about video and 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 just really and I you know I I, I take evangelism to a to a very serious level when it comes to sort of proselytizing and spreading the word you know and I must have been doing these very grand uh gesticulations with hands and hair and singing and uh, we were at the time, it was one of our first, it's interesting because it was one of our first live streamed on Twitch events. This is kind of when we were entering the live stream domain before Adobe Live and the things that we now do on Facebook and, and uh, yeah. YouTube Weekly. Uh, and so we were streaming on Twitch and someone in the Twitch community said, oh my gosh, you know, hashtag Adobe Jesus, blah, blah, blah. And it sort of kind of blew up there and became a thing. <laughs> and then there was an article about that shortly after that, Max. Yeah. And uh, like all things internet, you know, it was a couple of days of, of me just really being quite overwhelmed and, and very, I don't even know what the word would be, honored, grateful, yeah. uh, without I, words. I, Jason, I, the, the way I read it, Jason, is, and obviously there, there would be the fact that you've got this, you know, incredible hair, you know, oh, everyone knows well. the hair. However, the way I also read it is that it's, it is like this, what you're on stage and you're just commanding this kind of audience and that that's that's one of the things that i want to speak to you about i know there's all the technical that you're you know incredibly knowledge about you have to be to right. be doing the job absolutely. that you're doing absolutely uh, and we want to talk about that dave and myself do with you but one of the things i am totally fascinated by and this is because i've got like a, a drama school background mm-hmm. and i've always done presenting and all right. that kind of stuff is can I just dive in and ask you about your presenting style? So, because where has that come from? Yeah. Did you go to drama school? And, and how did you get this confidence on stage in front of literally thousands of people? Yeah. Uh, so I, um, I've i been doing sort of stage performance uh, really since I'm 10, 11 years old. Uh, it started out, I was, uh, I was actually a concert pianist when I was a, a kid doing classical and uh, did that for a number of years in the uh, the New York the New York Greenwich Village circuit <clears throat> many many moons ago and uh, so got very familiar with sort of playing in you know various halls and things and uh, among lots of strangers and uh, was always um, very dramatic in my performance style in fact I had a, I had an old school piano teacher who was a brilliant brilliant woman but she was like a wrist slapper old school I mean if you weren't playing via the correct <laughs> technique she'd slap you hard by the way all of the techniques she taught me <clears throat> 30 plus years ago all still used to this day um, but she really kind of instilled this idea that you should you should feel it and you should be it and if you're not feeling it and you're not going to be it then don't bother don't even show up. You know, very New York sort of attitude too. You know, don't bother. You know, with the dropped R's, and um, so I really sort of took that to heart. And and even before I had uh, the look that I have now, I sort of I was flailing all over the place and very very dramatic. And it seemed to kind of work. And it seemed to work for me to get me really to feel the crowd. You know, yes. and uh, so I did that for a number of years. And then in between, there was some there was some sort of drama lessons and various plays and things. I was always a bit of a crap actor, to be honest with you. And I, I never really felt comfortable with lines. 
Um, I was always much more comfortable just being you, being me. And, and the same goes for literally everything we do on stage at Max and in various prezos. I've known you gents really for probably more than 10 years. Um, nothing's ever scripted. It's always uh, very off the cuff. I have a sort of mental outline, but there's never been a line that's like on the page. And, and all the singing impromptu things, those just happen because I, I, I feel them. And you don't always feel it, you know, and I, I did a, a, a Behance project a couple of years back, something about, you know, when you're hot, you're hot, and when you're not, you're not. And, and the project was me in a recording session failing miserably, 27 takes of complete failure, right? Wow. Really to showcase that there are days when that's just how it is, and uh, you have to just embrace it, you know. And then the next day it was, it was a one take and it was done and it was fab. So... Um, but that that those early days kind of gave me a lot of the, um, the the confidence and just the feeling of understanding and reading a crowd. And even when things went poorly, I did in college lots of I was in various bands and I was like in a Jeff Beck cover band. And, uh, you know, I was in a Beatle cover band called the Blue Meanies. And uh, those are hidden away on YouTube somewhere, by the way. Um, is that where Beetlejuice came from? It, well, yeah. So interestingly enough, Beetlejuice, I am a huge Beetle fan, have been for really since since birth. And uh, my very first email account, and I'm not embarrassed to say because it's like 1988, but it was America Online, yeah. AOL. Okay, And yeah. it was Be- Beetlejuice at AOL.com some 30 years ago. And uh, it just sort of stuck. And then in, in college and things, you know, there were other Jasons and I was sort of... Beetle Jason, and then there was Jason Z and Jason whatever. Um, and yeah. it just kind of stuck around. And it's funny because when Twitter came around, and that was sort of how I, that was really, and it's still really my only social network that I really use these days. Um, at that time, I was very concerned about being, um, using my real name for, uh, you know, right? I mean, internet 10 years ago, 11 years ago. In fact, yeah. I just had my Twitter anniversary is 12, 11 or 12 years. <laughs> and uh, I wasn't sure that I wanted to use my real name. So I used that, you know, which of course, in terms of following was harder to get followers because no one knew what my real name was. Yeah. You couldn't find me via my real name. That was added many years later. Um, but yeah, that's sort of the uh, Beetlejuice came out of that whole thing. And honestly, uh, the performance stuff, it just, it was from constantly doing it. I, uh, any opportunity that I could get to play, um, I was known in my uh, 20s of being the dude who would like go into a bar or a club and hear, like I used to listen to a lot of jazz and I'd hear some piano player and if I thought he or she weren't that great, I'd go up and say, hey, you mind if I do a number? Like just very, <laughs> like, hey, I just want to play here. No, no reason, no anything. And I think they were so shocked that they would let me do it. And uh, again, that sort of just getting in there and whether it was good, bad or otherwise, it just it was something that just felt very normal to me. And yeah, yeah. Um, it, it just grew over time and just, again, doing it constantly. But the, the, the core of it today that really emphasizes the, that, that feeling and that sort of commanding feeling is, is based around transcendental meditation. And this is, again, something that I was very influenced by um, George Harrison in The Beatles uh, early on when I got very into them and sort of studied their lives and everything about them and uh, came across TM as something that would uh, uh, help me um, harness energy and sort of harness those nerves and feelings into something that I could really use to, you know, to just project and, and inspire. Yeah. Know? Do you know, just just, and this isn't me trying to be a bit of a topper here, mm. but I remember uh, many moons ago, uh, I was involved in a in a very different kind of line of work, mm-hmm. and I um, there was. Do you remember quite some time ago there was when George Harrison was alive? Yeah, uh, there was a time when he at his home in the UK they were burgled. Oh yeah, of and, course, sure. And he was he ended up being stabbed. Stabbed, and, yeah, uh, yeah, and he was in hospital. Yeah. Now it just so happens because of the line of work I was in back then, mm. I ended up looking after George Harrison during that time. Oh, my gosh. And I remember he was on his uh, in his hospital bed, and, you know, there's all the nurses around there, and there's all the buzz around the hospital oh, no. that George Harrison was in right. there. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm trying to act all really cool. Right. Uh, and then at one point, he's kind of said, he just, I'm not happy with this room. I mean, he was really nice about it. I'm not happy about this room. Can we move it? The feng shui is just not right in this room. So then they started to move his bed around, this big bed, this big hospital bed, and maneuvering it, and open those swing doors. And as they push him through the swing doors, the nurse kind of banged the, t- the, uh, the bed against the wall. 
and in the the absolute agony that he was in at the time because of the injury even then when she banged it he just went oh he went baby you can't drive my car (laughs) (laughs) oh that is just legendary legendary (laughs) yeah i mean that's amazing and and the funny thing is uh you know, he was someone too. And, and really, when I think about it now and I think about sort of how I've changed my tune a little bit in terms of speaking and just, just being myself, you know, I think most people, right, it takes takes time. I don't know. I don't know that you find I certainly didn't know who I was at 15. Definitely not mm. at 25, maybe at 35. And we won't say where I am now age wise. But, you know, it takes time. And And he was someone who always struck me as right. He was he was just just blunt just bluntly and always honestly himself. And uh, yeah. that was something, too, that I, I just admired and could be funny in, right, these, like, really horribly tragic sort of situations just to diffuse yeah. the tension. And um, I love that, too, actually, as a, as, a, as a technique for speaking and things. I do I do love sort of adding tension and, and dramatic pause. I'm, uh, I'm a lover and... Uh, you know, someone who really You're embraces. King of that. Uh, well, thank you, sir. I, you know, uh, very long, sometimes to truly uncomfortable degree, dramatic <laughs> pausing. Yeah, yeah, I read that on this uh, that interview about it. And before we, before we kind of like um, got you joined in onto this conversation, me and Dave were talking about the stuff that we'd found out about mm. you, weren't we, Dave? And there was one video I said, "Oh, Dave, I watched this one video a short while back, and I think it was Max 2000." 16 it mm-hmm. might have been the one actually you've already mentioned about oh, okay yeah and you're talking about the color tab in premiere pro and how you can just literally just click the creative and this picture was went from it's not alive it's alive and all this kind of the contrast and right. color and and you kind of really building up that tension and then i think you did something like yeah and like to try and get the audience going and then one bloke went yeah in the background right. and you went thank you one man out of eleven thousand. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hey, we take what we can get, you know? I mean, uh, I know. As long as we connect with one, you know. Yes. When you yeah. when you watch presenters and like, you know, today I've been at uh, I've done a man- been doing a management course and, we, and today we had to present. It was the last week. Right. And five of us got up and I know the other four won't be listening to this podcast, but I was last and it was a long day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was very, you know, very monotone, very factual, you know, reading off PowerPoint presentation. And the one thing I will say for you that a lot of people could learn is you you never look forced. You never look wrong. It always is like you. the minute you walk. I said to Glenn, you know, who when you think of Adobe Max, you've got that huge room, that massive screen, the lights, everything, 11,000 people. You get the biggest applause. Oh, well. Thanks. When when you're introduced, you I think you're, I said you know I think people like kind of goes you're, you're a feature of Adobe Max because you, the enthusiasm you bring, the fact that you are an expert in your field, and the fact that you're not like a lot of um, instructors. You can get some people who go, "Hey, look, I'm really cool and I'm really good, and you're not." Right. Whereas you're yeah. very much, I've got this good. I want you to be this good, and I want to share everything I know with you, however that may be, and and that definitely comes across as a you know a massive strength for this which is why you're a principal evangelist oh, it, it well, does come you. across as extremely gen, uh, genuine doesn't genuine, it because yeah. I, one of the things i was talking to dave about again before we got talking jason was that uh, about a week ago now i i ended up doing an interview with a couple of guys from uh, texas and it's david and luke edmondson and they are amazing photographers they do this real renaissance kind of work but their principal work is wedding photography which itself is incredible and I was just watching them talk and one asking them questions and you could just see it coming out of them and how much they love doing what they're doing. And I kind of said to them, I sat back and I said, it's so obvious that you are you are the people doing what you were meant to do. You're the right people doing it. And that's, and that's I guess, what Dave himself here yeah. is saying is that it's genuine what you're what you're doing you really really do Did you know just backtracking there's one thing you mentioned about that woman who used to slap you when you were doing the the thing and you said that you've got to feel it if you don't feel it don't do it there's one quote actually i got out that uh, article it says and this was your quote if i don't believe in it i don't talk about it very true again which reinforces this thing about the fact that you know what you're on stage and you're talking about you're teaching people you know that this is something that's going to really help people. And that's why I guess you're so enthused by it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, and I really sincerely appreciate hearing that, that it does resonate. I, um, 
again, I, I, I've been on both sides of that. You know, when I started early, earlier on in my, uh, my Adobe career, being new, being new to, you know, the grand stages, uh, you know, I mean, the, the companies I was with before were much smaller, obviously. So just that the, the scope of it all was so different, entering sort of a corporate environment. Um, and I, uh, there was a period where I did indeed sort of experiment with towing the, the marketing speak versus the, the truly um, <clears throat> genuine speak. And, uh, you know, again, for this kind of role, people can, especially today, people can sniff out when it's, you're just blowing smoke, when it's, it's yeah. really a line. And uh, I, I am the first to admit, I learned it the hard way a couple times many years ago that that just doesn't work. And it doesn't matter how good you are at selling it because especially today, it'll happen. They'll find out after the fact. It's just there's there's no benefit in that if that's the kind of thing that you do. And, uh, you know, a lot of this also plays into and I know the two of you can probably relate to this. You know, it wasn't so long ago where particularly in in design and photography and, and especially photography, video as well, uh, the best of the best, they never shared that those yeah, techniques yeah. they didn't really talk about it it was like well i am great so therefore <laughs> yeah, yeah you know there's a little bit of descartes there or something um and uh i i came i was very and i think it's in that article too i was very fortunate to have many amazing mentors uh growing up and through music and and, and video and otherwise and uh they always were willing to share and and share the techniques that made them successful or, or, or gave them their first break. And without, without question, they just very openly shared that with me. And I felt so fortunate that uh, that became sort of a, a mantra for me, which was – and by the way, to Dave's point too, I am also the first to say I'm really crap at this, you know. I mean, particularly where, where, where color is concerned. <laughs> I mean, I'm better these days. And I, I know it's one of those things. Technically, I know what to do, but I'm, you know, I'm not a colorist. So I, I, I yeah. futz around like many people and, and, and try and fail. And I think, in the, you know, especially today, but as someone who talks about it, that self-deprecating, very honest attitude, mm. it not only resonates, but then showing, knowing technically how these tools and things work, um, it, mm. it further solidifies that inspirational concept that, like, you can do this. If I can yeah. do yeah. it, you can do it. Without sounding salesy and... Putting a spin on it, yes, there's always a little bit of marketing. You've probably seen me say that, you know. I'll say something, and I'll typically drop my voice when I do that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just the era of voiceover that I come from. I can't help it. It's the way that I talk. Um, I do this to my kids. It's very funny. I mean, they never really – I don't think they've ever really heard my real voice, to be honest. But um, but it's just – it is. It, there's something about that that genuine self-deprecating attitude when you're – hey, listen, you know, I know, I know what I can do really well, and I know the things that I'm still – learning and getting better at and uh when you talk about them yeah there is something to be said about just being just being so you know just open about it you know i mean it, yeah. it's yeah. today especially where people are less focused right you know it's like you should know a little bit of photography you should know how camera settings work you should know how this works that expert concept is also sort of it's a little cringy now right you know i'm the best at this the best today you know till tomorrow you know um so i i really kind of embrace that idea that you know it's it's just it's a journey you know it's constant Mm. constant learning constant inspiration so many things that i see in here on a daily basis inspire me to keep wanting to do it and you know very fortunately i'm i'm with a a group of uh i don't know i think we're at eighteen thousand employees or something now that where everybody kind of has that same passion and uh, it, it helps me continue to fuel mine as, you know, my hair enters the, uh, the Gandalf the Grave phase of my life. <laughs> I, I, I'm completely intrigued, uh, as I know Dave is as well, because, again, this is the kind of thing we were talking about before we uh, got everyone together here, is to see, you know, w- what is it like, life as an evangelist, the principal worldwide evangelist. But there are, there's something I've just I've got to ask you about, because when I read this in this article, me and Dave were like, Oh my lord! <laughs> so it says here. I mean, your 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 previous life before you uh, became the principal worldwide evangelist with Adobe. It says here that um, you worked as a sound mixer for the legendary film score composer Hans Zimmer yeah. and jazz pianist Herbie Hancock. Yeah, 
I mean, that is serious stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what, what, how did that happen? What was that all about? Yeah. So let's see. So the very short story around it is, so I was, I was in the music business right out of college. I got very lucky as a recording engineer. That's really all I ever wanted to do. I, I learned how to record and make records um, by listening to every Beatles song. And in the 80s, uh, Mark Lewison had put out a book called The Beatles Recording Sessions, which were effectively printed versions of all of the BBC and Abbey Road tape logs of everything they'd done from, right, 62 up until 1970. And uh, I had acquired a a four-track machine, much like the one they used. Well, different than the one they used, but in the same format, I should say. And began making music and doing these things. So, um, And it was George Martin and Jeff Emmerich, their engineer, whom I just idolized. So this is what I wanted Mm. to do. This is what I went to school for. I got very lucky and got into the business and, and moved to Nashville in the first part of my uh, early, early career and worked in country for about three years and had a lot of really very nice successes as a young kid, basically. Yeah. Early 20s, you know, um, very bad with money <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and accepting everybody, everything is fact and real and honest. You know, again, you're yeah. shaking hands, getting stabbed in the back simultaneously, a lot of that. Um, <laughs> And when Nashville kind of ran its course for me, I moved to L.A. jobless. And uh, this was still the 90s, so the music biz and studios were still a thing then. Mm. That's kind of key to the story, right? And uh, it was one of these classic cases uh, through a friend of a friend who worked for Warner Brothers, who knew somebody, who knew Herbie Hancock. They were looking for an engineer who did this with this particular digital console that was new at the time. And I happened to be that person. And I rocked up to um, – he had a, a, a satellite studio. Uh, he had a production company called Hancock & Joe. And I met the, the producer there and uh, we kind of hit it off and we – I don't know. I think we kind of did a little test mix in the studio there. It was in Hermosa Beach. And that was basically it. And then I did that. That was kind of a contract gig for about three months or so and uh, – or maybe a little longer. And then after that, I wound up – Again, through someone else, through recommendation, having to go back to the beginning and intern at Media Ventures, which is um, Hans Zimmer's company there, which he is part of the SKG conglomerate or was at least back then, and kind of had to start from scratch again, right? This was L.A. So all my previous stuff in that era was like, well, I just worked on this hit country record and they they didn't care, you know. So what? <laughs> I just did this cool jazz thing. Didn't care, you know. This was, no, this, was this was like L.A. in the 90s, you know. So had to kind of start over again, but then eventually started doing some things and became one of the, I would say, like third engineers setting up Hans's samplers in the morning. And uh, my, my, real, my really only claim to fame with working with him was I got to sing... Uh, live at the piano happy birthday to him it's some like in the studio celebration we were having and the hilarious thing is hilarious although slightly tragic to my at my expense when I was done and I wasn't a very great singer at that point by the way I was actually taking singing lessons at that point in LA he turned after I'd done it and I did this kind of rocked up jazz version of happy birthday he turned around and he said, you don't get the gig. And uh, everybody was <laughs> <laughs> laughing and I'm laughing and crying. At the oh, how we laughed. You know, oh, yeah, was... look at him now, how wrong he was. Oh, uh, well, maybe. But, uh, you know, it was, uh, wow. it was an amazing experience. And I, um, more so than he, uh, I got to really work with many of the composers. That, there, there's a whole slew of composers. That's Harry Gregson Williams among them. Uh, quite a few additional composers there who work in that same building whom I got to know and again, sort of work with and many who did, you know, they were doing day weeklies for CSI and at the time Law and Order and all these other shows. And it was it was an, an amazing experience to really see that process because I came just from straight studio work. And now to see where, you know, turnaround times were loose, to say the least. Yeah. This was, hey, we're putting out a show a week or a show every few days. You know, there were people in there who are doing sound mixing for late night shows and Kind of really feeling that L.A. vibe enough to know that that was not the kind of vibe I really thrived in, you know. Yeah. And uh, so that was uh, it was about a year there and doing that. And I we parted ways and, and uh, uh, basically switched off, got out of music and, and uh, technology for about an 18 month period as um, an accountant. And uh, wow. worked in a, a, a square office with no windows and a 14-inch CRT monitor running spreadsheets all day. And uh, then eventually rocked up to this little software company that was um, the makers of Cool Edit Pro, 
which yeah. then got acquired by Adobe. And that's, uh, that's been uh, the journey ever since. And that was 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah, almost 16. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Hmm? So as a musician, because funny you sound about uh, doing what you did to start with, that's exactly what my older brother did, oh, is right. he went straight and worked at a college and he did sound recording. Now, my brother ended up with a band and has had a band and, you know, done a lot in the music industry. Because you loved music and you were a musician, you were uh, trained classical. I was the, because I'm, I'm, I have no musical talent at all. I can barely play the triangle in tune. (laughs) It's not so easy, by the way. It's It's not easy. Generally, you either kind of go, I like to be a musician and I want to be in a band and I want to sing and I want to play. It's not so common that, you have like the the Formula One racing driver also wants to be the car mechanic, right? So, <laughs> okay. so obviously, was the work was there more work in like learning sound engineering? Was that more a tactical thing? Is look, if I learn this, I've got work, and then I can do the music on the side. Whereas a lot of people be like, no, I'm going to be a musician, and I don't want to be a the, the sound guy, right? Because you've you've obviously got in quite early, and and what's happened to you is has evolved through the sound engineer and mm-hmm. which has evolved into the role you've got today so which do you enjoy the most yeah well it's an interesting question because despite what probably some would think i i and this really goes up until yeah, 16 18 years ago i really preferred being behind the glass that was sort of the thing i i, I loved in the nashville days i loved being the engineer, I would always often play on a lot of the sessions that I engineered because they'd say, oh, we need uh, we need a honky-tonk pianist. Oh, I can do that, you know, and I would just do it. Um, or, oh, we need some background vocals, harmonies. Oh, no problem, I'll do it. I was happy to do those things without really being seen. Um, yeah. I, 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 and I genuinely, I think there, there's a part of me that really loves that technical aspect of, of the end result, not unlike photo retouching and everything else and sort of really understanding lighting and color and, you know, just positioning and shadow. The same concepts really applied to me. And, and I was just so fascinated in a, in a truly audiophile kind of sense with all of the tech around it. Similarly with video, I actually started professionally working in video long before the like professional sound engineering when it was still on three quarter inch tape. And I, I worked for some local cable stations and things. And uh, I was just really fascinated by just the process, you know, the, 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 just the whole then analog into digital process and the introduction of the early, uh, like, you know, um, video toaster overlay systems for your graphics and everything when that was new. I mean, it was, it was cool, you know, and, uh, but I, I wasn't, and I, while I was comfortable in front of an audience, I, I didn't prefer being there, which is sort of interesting. So, um, it was for me, it was really the other way around. I and honestly, I perhaps from parental upbringing, this is, you know, TMI, but I think it was like, you know, don't be a musician. You'll be broke. You know, you better have something to fall back on. So it was like in my head for always like, all right, I can't really rely on that. And I love it, but I actually love this a little more. I love the nerd side of it even yeah. more. Um, yeah, yeah, and I think that's kind of what, in many ways, sort of paved this this road too, because it's all that, it's all the techie stuff that happens under the hood, use an expression, that, um, and and knowing how it works, that really, yeah. really fuels for me at least a, a lot of the creativity and a lot of the additional things that allow me to, you know, make music or write funny lyrics or you know somehow they're just tied together. Yeah, yeah, and we've said before, like. Being good at something doesn't necessarily mean you you can teach it. So when you were at Call Edit Pro and you were recording tutorials, when that kind of, hello, it's Adobe, and they purchased it, and then you kind of, day one, that door's going to open to the evangelist. Was teaching something you also developed as, a, well, I, I love this, I love the engineering side, but I, but I need to share this as right. well. Was Was that there from day one? from when Adobe knocked on that door? So it was there in the sense that they requested that of me literally on day one. I think my very first, one of my very first, like you're at Adobe, still in my old business location, but okay, you're on the clock for Adobe now. Uh, I remember they flew me out to New York to then, um, it was total training at the time. And who were our big sort of, there was no Linda back in those days, right? There was no, none of those things, no Kelby one then. And, uh, 
they flew me out to New York to do a, a tutorial series on Audition, which was, again, new in terms of branding and new to Adobe. And um, I'd never done it before. I'd never actually taught or done anything like that before. And I went in with the same idea that I described earlier, which is I didn't have a, a script or anything. They just said, OK, we need you to show how to do this. And I brought a ton of files. And I said, OK, I'll, I'll do it. And they said, all right, why don't you just rehearse one and then we'll tape it? OK. So I did it sort of straight through. I think it was meant to be 30 minutes and finished. And they said, oh, wow, you probably should have rolled <laughs> tape on that. All right. Well, can you do it again? Uh, OK. And just did it again. And it was it was one take. By the way, that is kind of my yeah. thing. Yeah. One takes are really <laughs> I don't say a lot one about myself, but that is one thing. I sort of just a one take sort of dude. Um, and uh, like it or like it or hate it, that's what you get, right? And and but that was it. And it was sort of like, oh yeah, you know what? I I do enjoy this. And but again, now talking to the point of sharing all the technique, all of that really sort of transparency in that that came a little bit later. I I, I admit that again, this is like two thousand two, two thousand three, that era. We we didn't all share the techniques quite so much. Yes, the overall. Here's how you mm. make this. Here's how you make sound. Here's how you put it together. How do you get my signature guitar sound? Mm, I'm not so sure. I'll keep that little <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, again, as as maybe it's age, maybe it's just evolving, maybe it's just the democratization of the tools. Um, no, there's actually great joy in in sharing those. Te- because otherwise they, they just die with you, right? That's sort of, I don't know, that's <laughs> maybe that's that. That's part of the meditative sort of aspect of me. But it's like, well, I don't want it to just end with me. You know, I would love to. I mean, I learned things. I want to pass them on, too. So that came um, a little bit later. But the 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 concept and sort of beginnings of the training and the teaching, which I had no idea I'd be doing so much of. It was very just it just sort of organically happened. And um, people responded to it. And curiously, after total training, my second big visit was actually um, the BBC. And uh, I was it is it Whitehall Street Whitehall Street is that a, is that a place uh, where, where was it Wood Lane was it Wood Lane maybe so it was some training center somewhere in London I sorry I just botched that it's only only 15 years ago um, and that was my first destination because they actually were the biggest users of Cool Edit that was kind of Cool Edit's claim to fame was that the BBC had been using it for some time and pretty much any any uh, journalist who had a laptop who was in the field had a, a version of Cool Edit to do whatever they were doing. Yeah. So I was set there to do a whole series of, of tutorials at the BBC. And uh, it was just – it was magnificent. And I think one of the things that resonated being you know an American dude first and foremost was that my uh, my delivery of these very technical things was – Everyone could understand me, despite my sometimes fast talking, um, that I was very, you know, my, my, my diction and pronunciation was sort of understandable and on point. And the comment that I got back was that it was actually, it felt like I was I was sharing versus, hey, I know this and here's what you need yes. to know. Yeah, yeah. They exactly came back with that same earlier. feedback. Yeah. And that was very inspirational. I mean, I hadn't really heard that before. So to hear it from the Beeb was sort of, I mean, I still have a picture of me swinging on the top of the Pops pole before they, uh, oh. you know, yeah, yeah, right? Because that set yeah. is now long Whoa. gone, I think, right? Uh, yeah. It was, it was magnificent. I mean, it was like, I remember that was, that was the, big, the big thing. I sent a picture to my mom going, hey, you know, T-Rex 72, <laughs> you know, bang a gong 71 with Elton John. Remember that? Yeah, that, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh, so cool. cool. So Flipping cool. Yeah. That's really interesting what you say there about the um uh how what you said about the sharing kind of thing. First of all, or actually you're doing a tutorial to show the process. Right. But not really showing or this obviously before now, going back right. a few years, right, not right. really showing the actual nitty-gritty kind of, you know, all the workings of it and how that's really changed now. Because I I've sort of Maybe not so much nowadays, but I used to get people saying a lot to me, aren't you worried when you're sharing stuff? Right. Because I've always been very much a case of, this is what I do. Do you know what I mean? There's no nothing hidden here. This is what I do. Because I was trying to explain to people, look, we are all different. And if I, if I sit there and I show a group of 10 people who've got the same file as me, here you go, get on your computers, now we're going to do this. No matter what I tell them to do, there's something in each of us that makes us an individual that if I say take this slider to 20, there's going to be some people sitting there going, 
Mm, I don't think I'll, I don't like it at twenty. I think I'll take it to fifteen. So it, uh, the people can't copy, and it's and also I guess I've I've always thought that if somebody is scared to co- scared to share everything, that kind of says to me a little bit of an insecurity. <laughs> right? Do you know what I mean? It's Absolutely. a case of look, you know, because and if you are feeling that way, it's, you really should look upon it as look. If you're feeling that way, it's telling you one thing that you need to up your game. Right? You can't expect to stay at that same level and no. continue to grow, can you? No, so. no, no. And and that's it, right? I mean, it and it's funny because that is. That's absolutely true, and I and I fully believe that. And I think that was one of those realizations, which was, what am I holding on to this for? You yeah. know, like like my one process is so freaking great. I'm still working, man. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, if it was so fantastic, wouldn't I be somewhere in the south of France just chilling? I mean, you know, no. It's 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 about working and constantly learning and and developing. I mean, if you stop developing your technique, your process. I mean, that's what's the point? I, I again, that goes back to that my my hand slapping piano teacher. What are you even here for? Um, yeah, <laughs> I I can safely say that you know the video things that I did and edited, and I do a lot of um, I do a lot of pro bono work on the side, you know, local commercials and things when I can, just to stay in the game, right? Similarly, yeah. for, I do a lot of music production, and um, it says that I have a publishing company. I've been doing it for twenty plus years. Just to stay in that game for other artists, not even as the feature again. I'm happy being behind the glass, behind the scenes, just to stay in it. And I would, I can say, but I would like to think that my technique and process and ability now is better than 15 years ago. I mean, shoot, I hope it mm-hmm. is. You know, otherwise, yeah, yeah, what's yeah. happening? You know, if I'm stuck in 20, 2001, I'd, I'd be pretty sad. So, yeah. um, but, but how, how does how does somebody though, Jason, somebody who is at the top of their game, and you've got to be to be a world, you know, mm. uh, evangelist as you are in the position that you're at. How, how does someone like you, week after week, month after month, up their game? What, what's your process for learning more? How do you push yourself to learn? Well, uh, it's uh, it's not always, you know, uh, these days it's always there's always the time uh, constraint, the yeah. time factor, of course, so and uh, just the exhaustion factor, but it's. It's kind of just. I mean, look. I have the for, I have the benefit of being able to work very closely with, you know, hundreds of brilliant minds that code and make all the stuff that we use every day, yeah. and having them, many of whom I'm on sort of first name basis with, to ping ideas off of, or ping feedback off of, or solicit feedback from them, or they're soliciting from me about a process or an effect or something. Um, that's it, and just it's and it's every day. It's really every day mm. we'll be working on, you know, we've always got things cooking in the lab here, but, you know, long before they're released. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so something that'll come out, you know, let's say NAB, well, six months earlier, we were already looking at it and I was playing with it and, and trying to, to get inspired by it. And I think that's it. And then, you know, um, a lot of people have asked, like, what, you know, what on the Internet and stuff sort of inspires you? There's nothing specific, but it is. It could be something as simple as seeing a shot, you know, seeing an image that you took or or hearing something, uh, you know, like there, that um, uh, uh, Childish Gambino video for This Is America a couple of months ago. Right. So uh, uh, Donald Glover, the artist, if you know him, an actor, did this performance on Saturday Night Live. And I've long been a fan of his, not so much of the music, but just of his in general, saw his performance, checked out that video and that video, if you haven't seen it was it was really something and it was very emotional and moving and political and there's all kinds of stuff going on there which mm. also makes it kind of amazing um but just this this style and this technique which really is just leveraging a lot of the things that we see every day in the video content you know it's like dolly shots and slow moving and you know yeah. high contrast colors and really emphasizing uh, specific ranges on the color spectrum that really shouldn't exist at the same time but they do because it grabs your attention and making it work to the point where you just can't look away. You know, these are the kind of things that I think continuously fuel me. And, and yeah. I'm, I'm glad that it does, you know. And again, there are absolutely days where I just can't do it. I, I, I record. So every every morning I do a, a piano rehearsal. I try and get it in 20, 30 minutes if I can. doesn't always happen that way. But I record every rehearsal, and uh, it's not for, you know, narcissism. I do like hearing myself, mm. but it's really just to hear <laughs> how did it sound today compared to yesterday. Yeah. You know, how is this? I, I, I constantly work in new songs into my, my uh, daily repertoire. Right now I'm on a bit of a obscure early 70s Beach Boys kick. So 
total non-hits. Although perhaps for you know they were actually in the UK they were popular throughout the 70s. The US wanted nothing to do with them in the early 70s, right? So yeah. it's a lot of the, some of these songs actually might be somewhat familiar to you, but um singing in a range that I don't typically do and working out arrangements that I don't typically play and I and I do this every day and record it to hear back and hear how's it evolving. And if it's not evolving, what do I need to do to make it evolve and to get better? And that yeah. just and it's just doing it every day. And some days it really I, sucks. I was going to say that that's an answer in itself, there, isn't it? It's a case of don't pick it up every now and again, right? It's because I certainly find that even as, as a photographer, someone who uses Photoshop, Lightroom every single day. If I if I didn't, it's very much a case of one step forward, two steps back. In fact, it is like that with me and an audition. I although yeah. I love using audition, I love it. I'll tell you that's 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 true. Um, not to quote my, my my namesake, but you know McCartney had a line. It's actually from it's actually from the early seventies, uh, where he was talking about sort of going solo, and and he said, you know, when the Beatles broke up, post his first album or something, there was all this talk about, are you going to get back into it? Because you know he kind of went to his farm in Scotland and yeah. disappeared and grew a beard and was you know shearing sheep mm. and stuff and just living off the land. And he was talking about this concept of, well, all right, you know, if you take six months off. It'll be a little rough, but you can kind of do it. You know, if you take mm. nine months off. All right. Well, now you got to sort of relearn how to get back into that groove. Your playing suffers, your hands, the muscle memory starts to fade. But if you take a year off, you know, and, and it's not necessarily, it doesn't have to be a year. It's just an extended period. That could be a week yeah, for yeah. any of us today. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it changes things. Your, your body, you know, the, mm. at the speed at which everything is done now has absolutely influenced how how we can evolve in the processes that we do even on a daily basis. And the truth is, if I don't play for a week or I don't, you know, again, I've been working a lot with color over the last year or so to really just fine tune what I what I'm capable of doing, you know, not trying yeah. to be not trying to be Stu Mashwitz or anybody from Red Giant or, or, or Simon Walker. You know, I, I've learned so much from them, fellow fellow colleague of yours, Simon Walker in the UK. Um, but, uh, you know. If I don't, if I step away from it for for a, a period and come back in, it it there is it's it's not quite riding a bike. There is a bit of that. Gosh, yeah, I really yeah. need to reinvigorate what I'm doing to get back into it. Yeah, and to feel that yeah. I'm at a level of proficiency that I feel comfortable delivering something. You know? mm, yeah. yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I guess now because we've gone from, I want to ask you something that we ask everybody. Yeah. It's become a bit of a bit of a ritual now, Dave. I suppose with the asking the people these loves and loathes, mm. and I kind of hinted to it before we started. So, Jason, what I'm going to ask you is, what are you? Uh, we'll start off with the positive, although they're both positive. What am I saying? We'll start off with the the loves. What do you What do you love about? I don't know the industry. What do you What you do and all that kind of stuff. What's the first thing that comes to mind when you say, "What do you love about this whole thing"? Well, uh, having sort of come up in the in the the beginnings of the or the end of the analog and the beginnings of the digital world, and the struggles that you really had that you really just on a daily basis uh, incurred because it was so primitive at the time, I am the first to say I love just the the availability accessibility of of all the tools we use. You know, I want to yeah. record a sixteen piece orchestra. This studio here is outfitted to do that, and I've got all everything I need in this machine right in front of me, and I don't have to go anywhere else to do it. Uh, that was kind of my dream as a kid. Like I wanted to own studios so that I could do all these yeah. things in a big place, and it was big gear and you know <laughs> stuff. In fact, just over on this side, the remnants of the studios I used to own are still sitting here. All this rack gear, my kid's college fund right here. Never to, (laughs) not worth anything now. But in the 90s, man, this was serious. Um, No, but it's true. But uh, so that, I think that's first and foremost, just the the availability and accessibility of these things to create at a moment's notice. Um, I've done, there's some some of those tracks on these children's records where I had to capture something and I had my iPhone and the iPhone voice recorder captures brilliant sound. And that made it into the record. You know, something that you couldn't have imagined, you know, 15 years ago. When I think of, again, like when they did, the Beatles did their anthology, Free as a Bird, and they found the John Lennon cassette tapes and the process of removing the hiss and then time remapping it. Oh, my, what a, you know, it was so amazing. And it took months, something that you could do today 
in seconds, you know. Yeah. Literally yeah. seconds, right? Yeah. Uh, I never I, I want to live forever. I don't want to miss out on anything that's right, going to be created right. ever, yeah. you know. <laughs> and that's just it. As it evolves, you know, I had someone a uh, a uh, 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 Someone the other day asking me about AR and VR, and, and they were saying, yeah, it's kind of rough right now. I said, yes, it is. It's still in its infancy. Give it five years. You know, so I said, think yeah. about internet 10 years ago. People still had yeah. dial-up and ISDN 10 years ago. It wasn't, there was no broadband worldwide for individuals. Yeah. Yes, businesses, companies, sure. But I, you know, I was still on an ISDN connection 10 years ago. You know? Yeah. I was talking today in that thing I, I, sorry, I, I said about um, with graphic design and I showed some examples of uh, graphic design from the 18, 1800s. And so like this is even when the printing press came along, you know, that that was a that was new technology. And but it but that was over a period of years, whereas today we get these new advancements over days and weeks you know, all of a sudden you 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 you're sitting there using Adobe Flash and fireworks, right? And, and you know, next and next minute everything's changed. Everyone's using something different, and it happens quickly. So, yeah. Do you have much influence in in how the products evolve that you work on? Uh yeah. I mean, um, you know, I would say again, just because of proximity, uh, a, a bit more than most. I will I will say this too in the in the last decade or so befriending really the teams who work on this stuff. Um, and, you know, and there's a very subtle art to that concept as well, right, influencing product, because if I go back a long time ago when I was really an audiophile, you know, there were certain things that I would have liked to have improved, and I would go in sort of hot. You need to do this. This doesn't, this is not how anybody does it. I really, it's so not in my nature, but it's, it's all in how you phrase things. And if you can phrase things positively, and this is something that I learned truly at Adobe, which is, you know, you, you never you you never want to say to someone like, you know, this sucks, and let's do this. What you should say is something along the lines of, you know, this is what you've got here is great. I want to make this even greater. Allow me <laughs> to share with you some ideas about how we can make something even greater that has already changed people's lives immeasurably. Do you know what? As you're saying that, obviously people listening don't know this, but I've got you on camera and you were looking right in your camera and I was like, okay. You're right. okay. <laughs> I was just saying, I was just going to say, special, are you, special are you ocular implants us? there. That's what that is. Right? Yeah. God, whatever you want, I'll do it. It's Thank all you. right. It's not a problem. Yes. That's, it's, it's my, it's my so, power. Yeah. So go back, go back to Glenn's question then. What's your, what's, what's a loathe in the industry? What would you change? What do you think could be changed for the better? Yeah. Um, you know, and that's, <laughs> Didn't quite have enough time to formulate that answer for you. Um, well, it can be about, about anything, not necessarily the industry, but just about, uh, well, I suppose, yeah, yeah, it is industry. But what what do you wish was different? What don't you like about what you, uh, and what we all have to do on a day-to-day basis? And some people say, some people seem to bring up social media a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. All kinds of things. That I mean, that would have been the first one, you know, and I could, I could say that. I mean, I think most people could jump on something like that. Perhaps it's somewhat related to that, which is the, the one thing, I don't know if it's really, a lo- although personally I do loathe it a bit, which is that, you know, things don't tend to, to stick around very long once they're released in, in the sense that what's new today isn't new tomorrow. So therefore I need something new the day after. This... <laughs> This process, again, still still grates me a bit because, you know, it's very hard for 7 billion people to digest everything that happened yesterday. So it'll always be new to someone. But there is in this day and age, in, the, in our industry in particular, this emphasis on it's got to be new. It has to be. You, uh, yeah, you already did that for me. What else is new? And uh it, I, I think in, in a lot of ways, some, some things, and this is not meant to be sort of feature-based, but I think sometimes things can suffer because there is this notion that everything is so immediate and it has to change all the time that if you're using something or doing something or a technique from two weeks ago, it's lame or it's not – you're just not with it. And uh, I'm someone who – and this is to, to the same in my training and stuff like that – I love giving sort of anecdotal, detailed evidence as to the why. You know, YouTube is filled with like very fast two-minute how-tos that are very beneficial. And if you just want to know how to do something, that those are amazing. I'm not one of those people, though. I, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not good at that. 
I'm not good at the two minute. Here's how. Because I always some weird anecdotal pop into my head. Oh, well, the reason we do that in Premiere is because, you know, and it's really just to form a basis of, again, that sort of that extra bit of knowledge to share. So and some of that gets lost because, right, OK, what, el- what else have you got for me? You gave me these kinds of color curves. What else have you got coming? You gave me content to wear. What else have you got now? You know, yeah. and, and, and social media blows that up. Right. Because yeah, yeah. You, you get you get groups, you know, chiming in here. At the same time, though, um, it does keep everybody sort of very honest in how things get made, how things get developed. And uh, it keeps everyone sort of on the pulse of where things are going. So there's, like you said, Glenn, there's, there, there's a positive to perhaps the negative in that way. Um, <laughs> but it's it, it does, I, I will admit, and it's perhaps just age creeping in. But, you know, that would be nice if it could slow down cool. a little at times. Yeah. Oh, little. Well, we get wiser as we get older. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I'm, I'm sticking with that. Jason, obviously, you know, I'm aware now we've been talking for, I think, almost an hour, Dave, we've been been going here. And I am, like I said at the start, very aware, we both are, that this is an incredibly busy time for you with Adobe Max uh, coming up. Tempted to, although we're going to be there, which I cannot wait for. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. almost tempted to ask you anything you can tell us, but I won't. Yes, (laughs) I wish I could, but, but, uh, uh, (laughs) you know, that line is normally an I wish I could tell you, but then I'd have to. You, to, yes, the yeah, opposite. Yeah. Then they'd, they'd they'd off me if I told you anything. They'd kill you, yeah. So, so, so just to satisfy uh, ourselves and yeah. the folks listening, where can people? Where would you want people to go to find out more of what you do and what you post out and share with folks? Right. Uh, so, um, I do have a YouTube channel, uh, which is Jason Levine Video, uh, and you'll find a lot of tutorials and a lot of random musical things uh, on there. Um, a lot of very long form detailed things. I have a whole series, again, on audio called Audio 101. It's 20 episodes, 25 hours of everything audition. But it's not just audition. It's really a lot of concepts and things um, that was all done via various live streams. And uh, so there's a lot of learning and stuff to be had there. Uh, Twitter, like I mentioned, I'm at Beetlejace. That's my that's my social network of choice and the only one that I use. Um, and there's links in there for my Spotify and things if people are into any of the kind of music that I uh, do and produce. I, I will say, too, uh, just um, March, April of this year, I put out a record with a – this is kind of a neat story, a blues cat – uh, who uh, in the 60s was a session player and had done and been on a lot of records but never had his own album, a guy named Fuzzy Island. Fantastic uh, uh, acoustic finger-pick and blues style. And uh, we've been friends for 20 years and we've been recording for 20 years and I had said about a year ago, you know, I'm going to put out an album for you. I just want you to have this and I, we always play together and he's blues so it's always these very off-the-cuff live sessions Anyway, it was sort of a dream to be able to put out his record and uh, it's Fuzzy Island to Jason Levine. Again, that's on Spotify and Apple Music and Amazon and anywhere that music is streamed or sold. And uh, There's that voice again, Dave. I know. I can't help it. It's just a disease with me. Um, but, uh, and that, you know, that's the stuff where the, those, those little side projects and things, that's, that's where you can kind of feel a lot of the real me. I, I, I'm definitely one to say there, there are many personas. <laughs> There's many things going on in there. Um, but uh, for the closest representation of, of, of me, I think a lot of that you can sort of hear here in the music and in songs like Put Your Pants On, which are verbatim things that I've actually said to my children. So, you know, yeah. yes, those are all coming. Yeah, my from- kids think it's lovely when it says about cover you crack. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Keep it peace. Right. As in as in bum. As in bum. Uh, exactly. bum, bum, bum. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> right. I just, sorry, before you, just before you go, there is one more thing I want to ask you, because obviously uh, you're a You've got children. I've got children. I know what that's like. Yes. How, obviously the time thing that you have to do, how much freedom do Adobe give you to do these side projects? And then, because we all talk about work-life balance. Mm -hmm. And I know when we've spoken to like Julianne and I've I've spoken to Terry, I I know how much traveling and how much time you devote to it. So given that you've got this kind of freedom to do this other thing, the music and the videos, and you've got kids. Right. Have you found the right balance? Because my kids are my biggest critics. They'll they'll knock me right back down to earth. Yeah. If I so much as like get one one toe over the line of being too. Look at me. That's right. Yeah. 
Um, so I'll tell you very honestly on this podcast. Um, I for a for a period in the in the earlier days, um, to quote a line from <clears throat> Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, I chose poorly. And uh, I, I, I wasn't in favor of the balance. I was definitely in favor of weighing other things. And, uh, you know, y- where there's light, there's dark. So great things happening, bad things also happening. And uh, I, uh, it, took me, it took me quite some time uh, to really, and I think for, for many of us, if not all, to, to really find that balance um, but in the in the last, I'd say five or so years, um, yeah. Again, I'm very fortunate to work for a company that one encourages that wholeheartedly, first and foremost. In fact, we're having our Adobe for All Summit today, and there've been a lot of I've seen some of the tweets and speakers going on, and even our CEO made a comment about you know you've got to be your authentic self, and you've got to you've got to just sort of be. That's sort of the idea, and uh, I think I lost myself, as we, as many of us often do, in, in the work and other things. And just, you know, life, right? The daily grind of life, forgetting that other things were suffering in the process. So um, I am very conscious of the balance. Uh, I, I, when I feel like I'm, I am overstepping, and again, I have, you know, as I call them, my creatures, they'll let me know, as you mentioned. Um, but I'm really conscious of it, and I, I definitely try and do... You know, try and do no no screen weekends, you know, whenever possible. Just yeah. turn it all off. Shut it off. I don't care, you know. And maybe that's irresponsible regarding the world and everything else, but got to reset too, you know. I mean, that's yes. in our biz, that creative spark, it's not, it's not always there and uh, it has to be inspired. And if you're just running on empty, mm, you know, at some point that, it it it, it mm. empties. <laughs> it, yeah. Yeah. yeah, something always got to give. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely yeah. So that you know there is that, and and this is something which again the industry has talked about a lot. And I remember I read this great quote from someone in Post, a friend of mine named Kylie, just the other day, and uh, you may have seen it. There was this hashtag for the last decade, practically called Post Don't Stop. Right. And it was this notion that people in post production, if you remember a couple of years ago, there was this blow up in post production. Right. All these people get losing their jobs and money was going from the U.S. and the U.K. to other parts of the world where it was cheaper and the industry was dying. And uh, there was this notion that people in post, it never stops. It's 24 seven, no matter what. And that's it. And she she made this tweet, basically, which is like, you know, I had a shirt that said that and I've thrown it away because it does mm. stop because it has to stop. And. One, that's very bold in that industry to say that. And two, uh, it's very true. <laughs> you know, I, I listen, I love all of this. And I, I, I hope and pray and wish that I can do it as, as, as long as my body and mind will let me. But, um, you know, your body and mind has to be taken care of, too. And, uh, very true. And that, that balance, is, it's, it's hard to find. And certainly, hey, when you're hustling and really trying to get things together and make a name and, you know, get, get started, sure, sacrifices are made. But... Uh, you just have to be mindful of it. I've, uh, you know, health and things had a lot of, a lot of people uh, pass away young in my family. So I'm super conscious of that now. And mm. just in the last two years, I actually took a lot of uh, steps to to change that overnight. Completely changed my thought and ways of how I live, how I eat, how I breathe, how I do all these things. Mm. You know, meditation alone was not enough. I think that saved me for the better part of the first 23 years of my practice. But I could feel it was starting to not be enough, and it was like, oh, maybe I should get out and walk, you know, yeah, yeah. every once in a while, you know. Take so have the evangelists got together with Howard Pinsky and gone, yeah. dude? Do, do you so, know? Do you so know yes. what you're letting yourself in for? <laughs> Indeed. So we actually had our first meeting with Howard uh, just a couple of weeks ago at HQ in San Francisco, and really cool to have him on our team. And uh, and it's funny, too, because, again, now he came from full screen. So he's you know, sort of in he knew sort of a bigger company aspect. But coming into, as I call it, you know, this really massive, massive, massive infrastructure of buildings and people and technology. And uh, it was great. It was great to see the excitement on his face, too, you know. Uh, Bless and so him. many familiar faces <laughs> that he's seen, like, oh, they're just walking around. There's you know, Russell Brown, you know, that yeah. kind of stuff. Uh, so, so cool. And we're, yeah, we're really lucky to have him. Brilliant. Well, listen, I, what can I say? Thank you so much for oh, the time. Thank you, too. Uh, what is, yeah, like I've always said, you. an incredibly busy time. It's an absolute pleasure. And I generally mean that for us for us to be kind of getting this time with you, Jason. Glenn, um, thank you. Thank and you. I'm really looking forward to Dover Max and seeing you on stage. 
Can't wait. Well, thanks. It's going to be, uh, I think it'll be a great one. So uh, look forward yeah. to seeing you both there as well. Well, I, I hope we can hang out for a little bit and you I get, you get your big bit done out of the way and then we'll see you around. It would be a dream. It would be awesome. Brilliant. Cool. All Thank right. you, Jason. Excellent. Thanks, Thank gents. you so much, right, Jason. Take care. Yeah. Sorry, I was just looking. Oh, here we go. Hang on. Let me get, let me just get ready for the intro. Oh, yeah, do your intro. hope this is better than last time. Tissue Tea Draws with what? Glyn Dewis and Dave Clayton. You sound like you sounded like old um, what's his face off um, oh what's that program they had? Uh, what Fresh do Prince. you say? And then all the the whole program was them just sat in the front room watching the Raw Family. You, oh. you sound like Dave. You sound like Dave, Dave right, then. Dave. Yeah, you lazy little get. Yeah. <laughs> Lurky hey, what's that over there? Why are you doing that? Yeah. He shoots, he draws my ass. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's the end. <laughs> <laughs> right, come on, let's go. Uh,